This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. And we get the back view of him, and I mean, it's just a mega. 52 yards is a long shot. Uh, Magnum PI, is what yeah. we named him. No idea. Just but, a magnet. Yeah, just a magnet. Come on, Cam Ashi. We, we said probably 150, mid 150. Yeah. Same doe from the morning come out with that nine pointer. Here, here steps out this 90 inch eight pointer. Like, <laughs> yeah. Ah. I'm like, okay, well, there's still a buck back there grunting. Yeah. And then out steps like another 90 inch eight yeah. pointer. I'm like, all right. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I'm like deer right there. Yeah, like, and he's 30 already yards. thirty yards. Yeah, he he was literally five yards from the base of the tree. Could have been had a buck down at one forty in the afternoon, back there deep on public. Three does come out pretty early. It was like 245, 24 yards shot. Sent the combat veteran, and I tell you what, man, dude, it just smoked. We always get so jacked up when the other person kills. It's just almost like we got it done. Yeah. And when you kill that doe, I was like, hell yeah, man. And we come down here to Missouri. My ass called me one more time. I'm like, is it a good buck? And he goes, yeah, real good, solid buck. I'm like, all right, boom. <laughs> and the deer just drops for sure. Super special to me. Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. This is the Whitetail Legacy Podcast coming at you with another deer story. Um, we're going to be talking about um, small details and 
being mobile and moving on deer to be successful. Um, we're going to get into the people that make this possible, and then we're going to get into the show. We're going to start off with a VIP. Um, just to let you guys know, the combat veterans are available. Buy them directly from the VIP website or Matt and Cindy personally. Call them up, let them know. And the, and the veteran two-blade is $35 this year. Um, great price there if you want to get into the two-blade and try the variable cutting with technology. Do you have the VIP shout-out? Yeah, this week's shout-out is Rhett Haggerty. Um, Rhett is currently in his second year of being a Marine and says so far he loves it and is currently thinking about making a career out of it. So, uh, Rhett, we support your decision either way, um, whether you just, you know, do your initial sign-up duty or if uh, you want to make a career out of it. So we appreciate you signing up and doing that. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear your decision on that, whether you want to make a career out of it or not. So... We appreciate everything you've done so far, and uh, whatever you decide to do, you've got the back between the White Tail Legacy podcast and the VIP family. All right, ECW calls, uh, all your custom call needs, EmbryCustomWoodworking.com. Check them out. Um, get your grunt tubes ready for season. You got Exodus Trail Cams? Yeah, Exodus Trail Cam tip of the week is um, they're not very fond of the third-party readers, um, as that could lead to... The picture's being scrambled on your SD card, corrupted. Um, if you, It can also lead to damage of your SD card or your camera um, due to swapping in and out. And then um, they just recommend you swap the cards out, bring it back home, put it in, into your PC or your laptop. Or if you want to, um, if you have if you have a upgraded cam, like their Lift 2, um, you can just view it right there on their viewing screen on the camera. So um, if you want to pick up one of them Lift 2s, exodusoutdoorgear.com. Yep. All right. Um, get into next level. Um, all your deer supplement needs. This is a time of the year that those minerals are key. Um, people are getting those out. Um, there's no way to get better trail cam pictures than to have mineral or feed out if your state allows that. You're not only benefiting um, the deer herd by giving them the best nutrition possible. You're also getting some fire picks to back that up. Um, yes. so that's something that we're super jealous that we can't do. We feel like we get so much more Intel, so much more cool picks. Um, check them out at nextleveldeer.com. Um, Ingram's outdoor obsession. Um, I do have sunshine up there at Ingram's shop. I dropped him off. Um, due to the whole COVID situation, the DNR was hesitant to, come to my house and give me a, a salvage tag but uh, he did send me one in the mail i got it on sunshine dropped him off and sunshine will hopefully be on a pedestal here in the near future so um ingram's gonna be mounting him up and bringing him back to life i have a nice still image of the footage that cody got freehand of sunshine in the plot and it's gonna be how sunshine's mounted Nice. So I always like to, all, you're this kind of the same way, just kind of mount, like how you remember that deer. Yeah. It wasn't how I shot him or, you know, any trail cam picks, but it was like he stood out in the plot for like three and a half, four minutes, like mm-hmm. literally. And uh, that's just how you remember, remember the deer, you know. So I like to mount the deer, how it's just kind of ingrained in your in your head. Yep. All right, let's get into the show. All right, we got Garrett Highkiss on. How you doing tonight, man? 
Good. How about yourselves? Doing great, man. We appreciate you coming on. Um, you're coming on with Chasing the Dream. Um, uh, you were out turkey hunting. I'm jealous as hell oh. with uh, Next Level. Um, we yeah, got to see some snap stories. Time. So we started talking. You started listening to the podcast. And I was like, hey, man, you should come on. Um, we'll talk a little white tail and we'll, we'll, uh, get your brand out there for people to follow. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And just for our listeners, um, we've been following the brand for a while. Great video content, great picture content, um, real good quality. Um, just solid dudes out there doing work. Um, and, uh, you guys enjoy it. Um, let the listeners know a little bit more about you. All right. I'm Garrett Hykus. I'm from Northeast Nebraska. Um, I, Went to college for digital cinema and media production because I wanted to get into the filming, hunting, and fishing stuff. And basically been running around with the camera ever since I was young. Um, Mom always had one around, so I got into it pretty heavy. And then me and a buddy of mine in high school kind of started doing all that stuff together. So went to college for it and straight out of college got to meet some cool people and filmed for a hunting and fishing show that summer. And then got in contact with one of my business partners now, Andy Klassen, and we decided to start our own um, outdoors TV show, uh, social media, YouTube, and it's called Chasing the Dream TV. And right now we're on um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and then these guys are just telling us to get on Twitter. I'm not much of a Twitter guy, <laughs> but we're going to gonna have to get us an account on there. And then um, our show also plays on News Channel Nebraska, which is a statewide um, cable TV channel. It's also on Dish and Roku, so we get quite a few views that way, and basically just trying to make a living doing what we love. I say that's cool, man. You know, especially to hear like how deep your filming passion goes. Like for Cody and I, you know, it's just been the past four or five years, but for you, it's been extended way beyond that and you know it's cool to hear you know that you've been filming for you know 10 plus years oh yeah yeah I've, my dad filmed stuff when i was little um got to film my brother's first deer hunt and kind of got me into it and i i filmed my first um, bow kill in 2014 with just with a gopro on my stabilizer and that really kicked it off for me I'm going to say, if you can just get like that, you know, good solid footage when in the early stage, it's just really going to help you stick with it. And, um, you know, on them days that you are early in it and you don't want to take your gear, you'd be like, well, I got that one clip that I really love to watch or, you know, that was pretty cool of a deer doing this or that. And uh, yeah. it can really help keep you motivated to stick with it. And, you know, eventually you're just going to, you know, be like, you know, it's just what I do now is just go film so um yep yeah that first time it pays off for you really i think it really starts a fire for me anyway yeah i think that's the way it is with you know a lot of people it's just kind of the the the, pros, the procession of of filming you just got to have that one little thing that gets you over the edge and after that man you're you're committed for sure all right, man. We want to have you on to talk um, small details kill big bucks. And uh, you killed an awesome buck, man. I love the flyers and splits on that thing. It's awesome. And uh, you showed me a couple videos of it, and I'm super excited to hear the story. So um, go ahead and break down the story of uh, the hunt, and then we'll kind of go into the details that made you successful. All right. You want me to start from what I consider the beginning or just start from the beginning of that hunt? 
Uh, start from what you consider the beginning. All right. Well, like I said, um, partnered with Andy Klassen in 2017, and him and his dad have a bunch of ground up in what I would consider the very northeast corner of what's considered north central Nebraska up along the Missouri River. And we're actually right between the Missouri and the Niobrara River. So for people around here, you probably know that area pretty well. Um, but 2017 fall was the first year that I had gotten up there and opening day of rifle was the first day that I actually got to hunt it. And I went out with Andy and his dad and I actually shot a pretty good buck on opening night of rifle. And then I spent the next week of rifle season up there, um, doing some spot and stock and hanging hunts with my bow just to try to learn the property and ended up getting pretty close to some good bucks on the ground. I wasn't able to pull off a shot. So I had basically no experience on this ground other than a week. So 2018 season, um, I really got a ton of cameras out there and started to learn land a lot more. And um, was getting good pictures of bucks all through summer and had, I think, three bucks that were on my hit list that were between 140 and I'd say 155 that we were after. And I had two of them pretty patterned in a couple different spots for the first weekend. And I was really excited about that. I had a couple good sets hung and got up there opening weekend of season and went out to the spot that I was really excited for. And I got up there after dark the night before. So I had no idea what was going on, but got in the stand and the sun started to come up and I found out that there was cows in that pasture. Now that weren't there the week before. So any of you guys that hunt around, cows know i mean deer aren't scared of cows but they don't like living where the cows are so that spot got busted and i actually didn't get pictures of another shooter buck in there until two weeks after the cows got moved out so basically that first weekend had to make a big adjustment find another buck so i went after that next night i went after the other buck that i had patterned and pull up to the gate and that pasture has cows in it too and that's about three miles away so basically started from scratch and the next morning, I decided to go sit up on a high hill. Um, got a lot of rolling hills up there, and it's pretty open country, so you can sit up in glass, kind of like you do for mule deer, just to see where the deer go back to bed. So, burnt one morning of sitting in a stand just to try to figure out what was going on, and sat up on this high peak and glassed one of our other good bucks that I got on camera occasionally, but didn't know where he was living. And I watched him from about a half mile away saw him go up into a bedding pocket and this is my last morning up there for opening weekend so i watched him go up into the bed and we drove all the way around that next afternoon or that afternoon to try to figure out how to get on him and i watch a lot of a lot of hunting videos online and the next buck videos and stuff so i learned from andre de Quisto the bump and dump technique where he goes in and actually bumps bucks out of their bed to figure out where they're coming from and then he'll hang a stand and go back in and try to catch them coming back so i basically used that technique went in and found a pretty sweet spot right by where the deer walked and had the wind and everything hung a stand and was pretty excited about it for the next weekend so i got up there and had two days to hunt and i walked in the first morning and the gate was closed on the pasture so i was kind of worried about that from the start sat that morning as soon as the light started coming up i saw about 200 cows in the same pasture so 
ended up only seeing a couple does and got screwed by cows that morning too. So second weekend in a row, basically starting from scratch, trying to figure something out. So I went a mile up the creek, which is basically a small river up there, and had pictures of bucks on a couple different trails crossing the creek. So I decided that I'd hang a stand by where one of my cameras was, where I got a few pictures of that buck that I, that same buck that I glassed actually. And hung a stand in there, sat there the next two mornings and had a couple does and small bucks come by within range. But I kept hearing deer cross the creek farther up from me where I couldn't see. So the next weekend I came back up and hung an observation stand the first night I got there watched the deer use that trail that I was hearing them use. And then I did the same thing the next morning out of that stand. So I felt pretty confident about it and went up into this draw where the trails were going and learned that it's basically just a little Oak Valley that leads up into bedding. And it was full of acorns, more bigger acorn crop that year than I've ever seen. So I found a perfect tree, hung a stand and That was the first cold, cold front of the year was the third weekend of September in 2018. So, and we had a full moon coming. So I was pretty excited about that. All the conditions seemed to be lining up perfect. So I went in that next morning and saw a ton of deer all in range. At one time, I actually had nine bucks and eight does and fawns in range at the same time. And none of them had any idea I was there. And actually ended up seeing one of my shooters that morning that I was after and he was probably about 75 yards away and skirted around me. So I went back to the same stand the next morning, and that was actually the full moon morning, and hadn't seen a ton, none of my better bucks, and it was probably 9.30, 9.45, so by that time it's pretty late, and I usually get down around that time early season. So I pack up, or actually I'll go back. This is this is pretty important for the later part of the story. Um, I packed up all my camera gear, but I had my GoPro on my bow hook as a second angle just to get me in the bow if I were to shoot. But I saw one of our other bucks at like 150 yards come through this trail, and I knew there was a pretty good bedding area over there, and it's pretty sneakable. There's a lot of sand and thick cedars that you can sneak around. So I decided I didn't have much to lose, so I threw my GoPro on my stabilizer, figuring if I do get a sneak up on this deer that's the only way i'm going to get it on video so i do all that tear down my camera arm and pack everything in my bag drop my bow to the base of the tree and i get halfway down and it's dead calm this morning so i don't know how this deer snuck in but i get halfway down the tree and i catch movement out of the corner of my eye and i look over and this buck that i now called my miracle buck because that's basically what this story adds up to is standing at 25 yards eating acorns and he's facing right at me but doesn't see me somehow and i'm hanging off the side of this oak tree in plain sight and i freeze and i'm staring at this deer and just watching him eat and he turns his head so i like make the quick decision to try to get back up the tree and somehow make it in my stand without him hearing me hold my bow up as fast as i could luckily it was on the side of the tree where he couldn't see it otherwise i probably would have been busted right away so I get my bow up, get an arrow knocked, hang it. The deer's still standing in the same spot, and he doesn't look like he's moving. So I actually got my tree arm and everything set back up, got the camera on it. And at, right when I got the camera locked in, he started to move. 
So he comes around to the west of me, and he's probably 35 yards away, but I can't shoot yet. So I swing the camera, and Cody, I know you saw the video of the shot. Um, I swing the camera around, and it's through the Y of a tree, and I'm off to the right side of the Y where I actually shoot from. So he steps out. I range him at 20, 25 yards, and he stops. Perfect. Slightly quartering two, a little more than I thought he was, and I don't know what happened on my first shot if I was just too excited and not didn't pay enough attention to where I was aiming but I ended up hitting him a little forward and high in the shoulder and when he spun the arrow was sticking like way too far out of him so I knew right then if I got lucky and got one lung I'd have to leave him for a while and I waited probably 45 minutes and when he took off running I thought I saw a part of the arrow fly out so I got down about 45 minutes later and walked 50 yards over to where the arrow is. And I'm probably at this point, 10 yards from the end of the trees on my West side and my South side. And I know he didn't run North or East. So I figure all that's West is 200 yards of open trees or open uh, CRP before the trees. And then to the South is the Creek. And I didn't hear him hit that. So I figured I'm already this close. I might as well follow the little bit of blood to the edge of the trees and see which way he went and then back out and come look this afternoon. So I get out there and I get to the edge of the trees and I can't find any blood anywhere. And I'm standing five yards from the Creek bank. And this is probably a 15, 20 foot drop. So I walk up there with my bow in one hand and my other hand in my pocket, no arrow knocked or anything. I step up there and look down in the willows and this buck is standing up and his body's facing away, but he's turned back looking at me. So I grab my bow with my other hand and try to knock an arrow, and he takes off running down the creek through the willows. So I got an arrow knocked and tried to circle around and get above him because he stopped probably 75 yards away. So I was going to try to sneak up behind a tree and then get another shot on him. Well, I get over probably three-quarters of the way to where I'm trying to get, and I see the willows moving towards the creek. So at that moment i basically just jumped off the creek bank and i'm weaving through 12 foot tall willows on a deer trail and i hear him hit the water and i've got like 20 yards left to go before i get there and i don't remember clearing those last 20 yards with all the adrenaline going but basically i got up there and cody that second part of the video where you see him standing there um, up to his chest in the water yeah there's (laughs) you can actually see it in a little better video i've got of it where there's actually blood flowing out of his chest right there. So I, I range him at 30 yards, standing chest deep in the water, and I drop my range finder on the ground and look down, and I draw back, and then when I look up and focus on him, he's actually almost to the other side of the creek walking away, which I didn't notice. So I'm trying to stop him and basically guess the yardage, and he won't stop, won't stop, but you can tell he's hurting. So he's walking at what I guessed is 40, I let him a little bit, put my 40-yard pin on it, and pulled the trigger, and it went straight through him. He made three big leaps, and blood sprayed out both sides, and then he fell down on the creek bank, and he's sitting there with his head up for five seconds, and then he just tips over, and he's done. So had to walk all the way about a mile back to the truck and then circle back around town like a five-mile trip to get to the other side of the creek where he's at. And got over there, me and Andy's dad went and loaded him up, and then family came up and took pictures and everything, but pretty crazy story. Definitely 
that's why I call him my miracle buck is because you'd think there's no way that would happen. You're hanging off the side of a tree at 25 yards and the deer has no clue you're there, but yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah. On the ground, get it done like that. It's pretty epic. And I would have, I would have botched that first shot too, being all drittle and rushed up like that. It's, it's hard, man. I've never killed a deer on the ground, another buck on the ground without a blind. I've killed does raw dog, but never like a target buck on the ground. So I've never felt felt that rush of like this, this dude's 20 yards straight in front of me. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, it's pretty exciting. That's, that was the first one. That second shot on him was the first time I've shot a buck from the ground with a bow. Um, and then this past year I got my Colorado muley on the ground with a bow, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, I would consider it a lot more exciting when you're on the ground at their level and not in a blind, it's pretty nerve wracking, but the adrenaline really hits you after it's over. With. I think that's why I like turkey hunting so much. You're, you're, right you're just there. like, yeah, you're right there. Mm-hmm. Especially when you get them at five yards in the decoys. Well, we won't get carried away, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> we may have been there before. Maybe. <laughs> So you had mentioned um, you had a full moon coming in. Is that something that you key on is, you know, the moon phase? I pay a little bit of attention to it. Um, I'm not as big into it as a lot of guys are, but I've listened and read a lot about it. I think it does make a difference and can make a difference. Um, I think the the big thing with that, um, that time was that it was the exact same time as we had the first uh, cold front of the year. And it was, I think it was like 33 that morning when I got in the tree and the past few weeks before that had been eighties and nineties and just unbearable hot. So that's, that's the most deer movement that I've seen early season, probably ever a a mix between the full moon and the first cold front. I'm going to say, yeah, like the time frame you're talking about is we can't even get a buck on cam, let alone see him hunting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? It can be pretty tough early. But, um, I definitely noticed like a, lull in the movement when it's full moon you know and there's no cloud cover at night like when i'm when i'm when i'm walking into the stand and it's those conditions clear night full moon like i'm just i ain't gonna see shit yeah (laughs) I, I, i just know it i like morning hunts early um a lot more than a lot of people seems especially around here there's not that many people that bow hunt in the mornings on early season um but just, just the other day, I was listening. I don't know if you guys listened to um, Whitetail Habitat Solutions, Jeff Sturgis. Yeah. I was listening to one of his videos at work the other day, and basically he described it exactly how I thought it would work. But he says a lot of times on full moons, he didn't necessarily say early season, but on full moons, he said a lot of times you'll notice the activity the evening before a full moon or big moon you won't see as much activity but they'll hang out a lot longer in the morning in daylight than they do the night before and i've kind of patterned that the way he said it so i was going into that morning i was pretty excited about it and it it turned out to be pretty good i would say like i've tried to dive into it because you know that's something you can look at a calendar and be like, all right, you know, tonight's going to be a full moon and, you know, you can kind of bank on it, but, um, you know, a cold front hitting at 
four in the morning might not always pan out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I try to look into it and, um, it's just something that, you know, it, just like you said, you know, it's kind of almost, you know, it, it worked for you at this time, but it didn't work out for this guy. And it just kind of, everybody has their own little, you know, nick and cranny on it. And, um, I haven't quite figured out mine. Yeah. I, I think especially with full moon stuff and I'm a big bass fisherman too. So I kind of see it jump back and forth with fishing and deer hunting, but when there is moon phases or, um, like new moon and full moon, stuff like that, I kind of noticed that weather has a lot to do with that too. So you could have crap weather, but a full moon and it still might not be good. But if you have a full moon and good weather, it can be insane. Yeah. And especially with, you know, the, the juries putting out, you know, deer cast and launching that two years ago and, um, giving full access that first year and, basically, you know, running down through, you know, everything, how they go about their deer hunting down to the science that they do it at. And, you know, weather trumps moon and just like you said there, and, you know, just trying to really pinpoint what is going to be the best case scenario for me. And I just, I haven't been able to do it yet, you know, and, and that's saying we're going to have a professional come on here and talk about the moon. I say, yeah, I just a need a, yeah, a lunar definitely should, lunar I expert. Listen to it. Yeah. There'd be a lot of downloads. Yeah. Like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, it's be a uh, good video to do. There's definitely something to the moon though. I, I, I believe, you know, I mean, it controls the oceans and, um, oh, yeah. I, you know, I fully believe in it. And then I feel like, you know, just like the juries talk a lot about the barometric pressure. I feel like there's something about that. Clear, sunny day. You wake up out of bed. You see the sun shining. You feel good. You got a lot of energy. I feel like it does the same for deer, turkeys, um, everything of that sort. And you're just going to see, have the ability to see more more action and more movement. Yeah, exactly. That's That's basically how I describe it to you. So you a lot of stuff went into the hunt of this buck, but um, you mentioned that there were some small details that you thought made you successful. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, basically, the actual hunt and killing of that buck was like I told you the other day, Cody. I basically just consider it a miracle. Um, but getting to that spot and hunting that area is kind of what we talked about with the small details, just learning to be able to be flexible and change with last minute conditions. Cause especially like for us, that's all I've ever hunted is cattle pastures. And I, I grew up hunting with my dad and my uncle, which I would consider some of the best whitetail hunters, at least in the area for sure that I know. Um, they've been bow hunting since they were 15. So I basically can credit all my knowledge to them, but that's one thing they taught me is don't get too fixated on what you've seen work before you got to basically just put all the current information together and be able to make adjustments last minute if you have to. And that's basically how those first three weekends of early season went for me. Cause I mean, it was, I would consider it entirely new property as far as hunting. I had spent all 2018 summer up there running mineral and cameras and stuff like that. So I, I got to pattern deer a little bit, but when you're actually hunting, you guys know it's a lot different. So yeah, just a lot of last minute adjustments and observation sits are probably 
one of the most important things to me. And that's one thing that my dad and uncle taught me too. And I, I always hated doing it because basically I just considered it, well, I've only got two days a weekend to hunt. So I'm just going to blow one or two sits sitting far away where I know I'm probably not going to kill a deer just to watch the deer. But in all reality, if you do take that time to sit back and watch the deer and where they're going, it can just jump you ahead that much farther for actually killing one. Yeah. Being flexible is, is huge. We've, we've tried to do that, um, every year, a little better. We always kick ourselves in the ass by not being aggressive enough. And, uh, that's something that we're going to change this year. We said we were going to change it last year. I was say, are you sure? <laughs> we did. I did. I was yeah. way more yeah. aggressive, but I need to be yeah. a whole nother level. Um, I was say we both we both need to be yeah we hunted yeah, the that, edges a lot and did some observation sets, um and we had public land uh, where stuff wasn't pressured before, and ended up being pressured. It just sucks, like kind of going there to waste a hunt to a point, but you have to like cross that off your list. Yeah, of like I had really good success early. in there years past mm-hmm. but the pressure was different the pressure was higher so it's pushing the deer back earlier right and yeah, exactly. all of our pictures were nocturnal on the edge and even the other people that were hunting there their pictures were all nocturnal yeah so the deer were still using that area but they just weren't there in daylight you know what i mean but they're still there yeah so yeah that's like you said uh that's basically it feels like you're wasting a hunt but in reality just if you can sit back and watch what they're actually doing and where they're really going and then dive in there and get aggressive in that area, you can learn a lot more. And like, I, I listened to your guys's, um, new, uh, video the other day about the hanging hunt stuff. And basically like I've tried to do a little bit of it, but especially after listening to that, I'm going to have to do more this year. Cause like you said, you can find the right area, but finding the perfect tree is harder. And that's, that's kind of what we learned in this spot that I killed that buck out of, um, basically sat the same tree this year and had deer come by it, but the activity wasn't exactly the same because there wasn't an acorn crop like there was the year before. So the trails they were using were actually just out of range for the most part. So hanging hunts and bouncing around and being more flexible is definitely high on my list for new strategies and to do more. Yeah, just buy you some good gear and go for it, man. But once you start doing it, you'll be like, you either know this is for me or this is not for me, but yeah. you'll probably be like, okay, this is what I need to do. And uh, homie killed a buck on a hanging hunt. I killed a doe on a hanging hunt. Um, we almost killed absolute giant mm-hmm. buck on, you know, had a lot of opportunities, just, you know, stuff don't work out, shooting lanes, et cetera. But, uh, it, I feel like it ups your odds a lot, but one thing I will yeah. tell you is something that we struggle when we say not be aggressive enough is when you're in that hang and hunt mentality, what we catch ourselves doing a lot, and maybe you can touch on this too, homie, is when you're walking into an area and you have an area that you want to hunt, um, and then you're walking in and you're like, man, I still got to get set up. I got to get the tree arm up. I got to get the camera up. And then you find a spot that's, oh, man, this tree is good. This is a decent area. This isn't where I want to be, but this is sufficient. And you just yeah. go with that. Mm-hmm. I feel like we did that 
last year more than we should. Like we were like, oh, we're gonna go pack in deep, and then we end up hunting the sunflower field. That's like a backup. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's something I'll I'll let you you know just as a tip. Just if if you have a place in mind, go in there and hunt that area because if you burn a hunt. You're still gonna not know what's in that area. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it just exactly. like just like we had talked about in that mobile hunting podcast or mobile packing podcast is that's why we try to scout them areas while we're shed hunting or, you know, at least right now. I mean, now the timber's getting really full. Um, so it, you know, it, you just got to get in there and know what trees you can get in and the areas that you like and want to be in. And because, I mean, we have a couple spots that are going to be new for us this year. Uh, we definitely have them marked down for October hunts. And um, we have some that are marked down for cold fronts and some that are marked down just to hunt because they yeah. look good while we're in there shed hunting. And yeah, um, for sure. it's just something that is, you just got to, cross it off your list or be like, Hey, yeah, this, this was decent. We can come back to this. Yeah. That's, I'm learning to do that a lot more. Um, was it that same video where you guys talked about getting low in that cedar tree when you killed sunshine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was something I wanted to hit on too. Um, I don't know if you guys watched our last deer hunting episode that I put out a couple months ago, um, where I hit that buck and lost him and then he ended up coming back in October. No, I did. I haven't watched that one. No, you'll have to you'll have to check that one out and let yeah. me know what you think. But um, basically, that was kind of the same situation where um, we've got a little half acre food plot up on top of this hill, and it's like we've got big rolling hills up there, and this is right above the Niobrara before the I wouldn't call it bluffs, but like buttes, kind of just really high up hills off the river, but it's open and this plot we have is just right up on top of the flat spot. And then down in the Valley is buck brush and then some hardwoods for bedding. And we've got a lot of good deer out there, especially in October, November, the does kind of go out there to get away from the bucks. And then the bucks just pile in there in November. But we planted, we had it, we had the food plot in 2018 too with turnips and it did okay. Um, and then last year I decided to plant, um, basically a big, it's kind of, kind of the shape of a baseball field. This plot is the best way I could describe it. Um, but we planted the border of half of it with corn, basically just as a plot screen, which didn't do as well as I hoped it to. So we're doing it in Egyptian wheat this year, but I had a lot of bucks coming to that. And I actually had two, two six-year-old eight points come into that plot this year, like regularly. And the one main one that I was after was there, I think. I'd have to watch the video again, but I'm pretty sure he was there like 13 out of the 15 days before season. And sometimes in daylight, sometimes right after. And it was like the week before season started that I was trying to figure out how to get on these deer because they funnel in from little pockets all around this spot. So I didn't know where my best bet would be or exactly where these bucks were bedding. And there's just this tiny little probably 20 foot tall tree but it's got branches everywhere it's just thick as can be so i'm looking at that thing i'm like well i've heard of people hanging stands in really low trees before if you got enough back cover so and it's it's a little hardwood um i don't know what kind of tree it is but it's brushy as could be and i got up in there the week before season and hung a stand that's probably 
maybe 10 foot off the ground, but it's so thick. I just cut a little window through the tree and opening night. I had the number two buck, six and a half year old, eight point jump the fence, probably an hour before sunset fed his way all the way into 30 yards before I decided that I was actually going to shoot him. And then he made it into 25 and I buried the pin down in the beans right where I needed to. And it was dead calm that night. So I didn't really think about aiming low for him jumping the string, but especially at that distance, but he, he ducked like eight inches before, right before the arrow hit him. And I hit him really high shoulder and he ended up coming back in October and was completely fine. But basically just like that stand where you guys killed sunshine out of just look at the trees and even if it doesn't look like it's big enough or thick enough to get into it might just work and that's that ended up being one of my best sets i say well we hit we hit sunshine (laughs) (laughs) you can uh you can make a lot of trees work it might not be a spot that you can set all day, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can get in there and and make it happen. And that's what we did that night. We knew two guys in a tree filming. I had to freehand all that film um, Mm -hmm. because the tree was so small that the camera arm wouldn't ratchet strap. (laughs) Um, In fact, the base wouldn't ratchet strap, but that gives you an idea how small the tree was. And if we move, the tree moved, you know what I mean? Yeah. that's exactly how this tree was. I, I barely got my camera arm on there and I had to cut a branch off a smaller tree to basically shim the tree stand in there to even get that to ratchet strap on. So yeah, tiny, tiny tree and super low to the ground, but it's, it was so thick and just in the perfect spot that it worked out. You know, sometimes you just gotta like, all right, five years, I'm going to be back in this tree. <laughs> it's bigger, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but it's just the right spot. So you gotta be there. I'm going to say that yeah. ambush and that element of surprises, sometimes that just gets you over the edge and gets you right where you need to be to get it done. Exactly. I'm learning that more and more every year. That's that, good to hear. Cause that's, you know, that's what we're doing. And you know, a lot of guys we talk to is, you know, just, Oh, I'm doing this and this and this, but you know, for you to say that you're still learning and you know, you're out there and you're absorbing everything you can and trying to be a better hunter. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's, that's all that we all can do is just try to get better. Yeah, exactly. If any, if anybody tells you they know it all, they're definitely wrong. There's always something to learn. I feel like there's a lot of guys that know, you know, know how, know how to do it, know what they're doing, but um, just like me, man, I had a good run and then shit changes. And if I would have still been hunting the same way, like the corner stand on the lease, mm-hmm. if I'd have just been like, ah, I'm just going to stay here. It's been good the last three years. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not yeah. switch it up. I'd still be sitting there. You know what I mean? Like no kills. So yeah, yeah. that's, it's easy that to get to me a run, too, just, but that, I got hit with that pretty bad. Um, basically when I started bow hunting pretty heavy like mostly by myself because when i i started hunting legally you can hunt here or could in at age 12 and i killed my first buck with my dad it was a 130 inch eight point and then the next year i killed 141 inch nine year after that i killed 156 inch nine and then two years after that i killed 136 inch eight and two weeks later i killed 146 inch 15 pointer And then I had like a five-year stretch, four or five-year stretch where I didn't kill anything of size, basically when I was just trying to do it all on my own. 
and thinking I knew, thinking I knew what I was doing, but really didn't. Yeah. It'd humble you quick, man. When you, and sometimes the deer just change, man, it's either pressure or that's what happened to me. I had hunters moving in and hunting properties that weren't hunted before. And me thinking, ah, they won't make that big of an impact. And it completely changes everything that they do. And, how they use the ground and I'm telling homie about how good this spot mm-hmm. is and it's nuts. And then we go in there and he's like, and this is kind of shit. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, it, it can be frustrating for sure. Especially like I, I know exactly how that goes when hunting pressure happens. Cause I mean, we had, we got a ton of family ground and um, private access ground that my dad and uncle have had forever. Um, about an hour North of where I live. And we've basically every year we go through that where there'll be, a bunch of people hunting one property and completely changes the deer. But that, that always frustrated, frustrated me quite a bit. But like my dad basically just said, yeah, it sucks that there's other people hunting there and it changes the patterns of the deer, but you can use those other people hunting to your advantage. If you figure out where the deer are basically trying to escape these people from and coming back to the property from, you can get on a new pattern and basically just, like we talked about earlier, be, be flexible and open to change and always try to learn. Yeah. And when I started bow hunting, you know, nobody really bow hunted that I was close to. So I always felt like I was about, you know, two years behind what the deer were actually doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, started doing this podcast, started talking to some guys and then I closed the gap and, you know, I felt like I was just, you know, one year behind, you know, I just needed to be, where I thought I was when I was scouting that following year after the deer season. And then, um, you know, I, I finally make that jump and then we bulldoze, they bulldozed all kinds of timber in the property and the deer are doing nothing remotely close to what they were doing. So now I'm just like, ah, okay, clean yeah. slate here. But, <laughs> you know, it's always it's... fun to try to learn what they're doing again and, you know, get the cameras out and, uh, you know, just start from blank zero pretty much. Yeah, exactly. It's when you first see the change, it's always frustrating and kind of upsetting. Um, yeah, you're like, ah, I should have known that. Yeah, like some things like that where they bulldoze it, it's never going to be the same again. That's That can be pretty heartbreaking. We've gone through that up on family ground and stuff when they're trying to clear more area for grazing, which is understandable when you're the landowner and that's what you're using the property for. But like for us, just having to start from scratch can be frustrating, but it's also kind of fun. Yeah, most definitely. If it was the same every year, it'd be boring. So yeah, I like exactly. a little struggle. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I mean, just with, you know, hunting public this past year, couple new properties of private. Um, I've definitely enjoyed, you know, getting to that blank slate and not having just like you were talking about earlier there garrett you know falling in love with a stand or an area and just going back to the back to the old well you know and expecting different results or you know the same results that you've had and um getting to a new piece and trying to really apply the skills and um the history that you've learned for hunting deer um definitely brings back a different passion yeah definitely and uh i think the guy with the, I forgot his name already, but the Megalodon podcast. Yeah, yeah super sad. How he, what you guys said about all those like low after low after low, and then you finally find it. 
the excitement is way more than it would have been if you would have found them right away. I kind of consider that the same thing. If when you're actually hunting, you get kicked in the ass one time after another, but when it does finally pay off your excitement and how happy you are is just way higher than it would have been if it just worked out right away. Yeah, it's always better. Me and homie take a lot of ass kickings. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is I super solid when we get it done. Man, it feels so good. I'm gonna say, yeah, like, it does. if chaos shows up again in July on a food plot, we're just like, okay, same as last year, we're all good. But if he don't show up till you know September 20th, and it's right before season, like when we pull that the weekend before season starts, and then we finally get him on camera, we're like, holy shit! Like you yeah. know, they were gonna back. be they were gonna be jacked. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But if you just have them all year, like you did the year before, you're just like, all right, you know, it's same it's shit, there. same shit. Just keep going. Yeah. <clears throat> if when you build those relationships with a deer in the history, and they keep kicking your ass year after year, that's when <laughs> it's like you're like, all right, this year, this is my year. <laughs> I'm coming at you. <laughs> So. Yeah, I've I've been there with a couple of different deer that I was absolutely obsessed about. Neither one of them ended good for me. Yeah, but it's, no, it's yeah, a lot of fun. Not, when they're you not going to end good for us. One. We just have high hopes. <laughs> I was like, there's only yeah. only one we're obsessed with. The other yeah. one's just kicking yeah. our ass. Yeah. <laughs> the other one's like, I just want to shoot him just because he's just like ruining my life. Yeah, he's just <laughs> there. Yeah, that's, I thought that's I killed exactly him last it. year, but it's a different deer. <laughs> <laughs> So it's, it's always those ones that kick your ass that you want to kill the most. Oh yeah, one so. of them hunts, played it on the edge. Yeah, dumb, dumb. But. Not, I mean, I can't say that I did anything different, but yeah, you know, you just look. Just one of them hunts, you look back at it, you're like, well, that was dumb. Yeah, I went in one night and uh, got off work late, and I was gonna, you know, I was just like, oh, I'll just go to the close stand. I don't even know why we got to stand there. It's like pretty much that reason because yeah, we have like yeah. endless amounts of stands in our garage because we lost our lease. You know what I mean? There's like 10 sets out in my fucking garage right, right? now. But uh, I'm like, ah, I'll just sit here. And I'm like, man, a buck's going to get bumped off this cornfield. In the interview, you're like, oh, it's right by the road. It's nice. Yeah. Farmer's up there picking the corn. Hopefully bump a deer to me. Well, yeah, he yeah. he bumped a deer, 30 all right. minutes later on my mobile cam, five yards from the other tree stand that I was going to go to, but then I pussed out. There, there's <laughs> chaos, our target buck for the property, just cruising through there an hour and a half before dark. I'm like, oh, my God. Only, only daylight yeah. picture of that Only deer. daylight we've ever got of him. This that gives you such a sick feeling. When oh, you're you just got, like, especially, I am so dumb right now. <laughs> especially when you got the decision between like only two stands that this deer's coming by and you pick the wrong one. Yeah. Just yeah. like that. Yeah, pretty much what it was. That's yeah. That's exactly the story. The last the last three deers there are three bucks that I was obsessed with. That's basically how it went for me. If I sat in one stand, they'd walk by the other. They know. They're just toying with us. But I'll catch oh, yeah. up eventually. I got I got time on my side. You do, <laughs> still yeah. alive. That's I always time. good. Yeah. So he's just got to mess up one time while I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's all you can ask for. Yeah. But even then, they usually got the upper hand. Oh yeah, he he messed up that day, but wasn't there. 150 <sighs> yards away. It's crazy, crazy how 150 yards makes, makes. I know. It. Yeah, because you got that hillside right in front of you, and I mean, you can't. No, nope, nothing. I wonder if. I don't even think if I was in blaze orange in that stand, you could see each other no, from no, just that thick. Uh, it's, uh, it's like the, the how just, the it's land. CRP, but there's just a uh, 
a little hillside. Yeah. Yeah, Like a slide down to a creek bottom. A tiny hillside. You think a bucket just run a doe up in that grass, bed up? (sighs) No. (laughs) No deer's bedding in that anywhere close. (laughs) Doesn't work out like you think it would on paper. No, oh yeah, this property's fire on no, paper. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say you go out there right now, you're like, holy shit, boys, we're gonna be in them right yeah. now. <laughs> you be in we... them for about twelve minutes while they're running across the property. I would say November eighteenth, yeah. you're like, where are these deer? At? <laughs> Before November eighteenth, it's fine, yeah. but we just ain't there. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah, I've been well, there. We uh we appreciate you coming on. Let the let the people know where they can find you and follow your content. All right. Um, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram at chasing the dream TV. Um, there's C H A S I N with dream TV. Um, find us on Facebook the same way as well as YouTube. Um, if I can get these guys a couple links to link in the video, I'll do that. Um, and then do that for sure. Our, our Twitter page, whenever we get that started. I was yeah. like, you got you got some time, but the, cl- the yeah. clock is ticking. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing the story of the hunt and talking about uh, you know how small details and making moves can can make you capitalize on these bucks. Yep, always learning. All right, guys. I hope you learned maybe a little something of that. Um, just a couple tip tips from this episode um don't be afraid to move don't be afraid to go to that spot that you keep thinking about um don't get accustomed to the same stand and get set in that trap and just keep going because it was good in the past um change it up see if it works if it don't work you know that you have your old stand in the back burner um go ahead and check out um chasing the dream and uh garrett high kiss um, they're putting out awesome content, and uh, we're enjoying it a lot. Um, we appreciate you guys listening. Um, always try to do the right thing. Leave a legacy, and wipe the legacies out. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep-sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.